Are you tired of all the voices who say, focus on the bottom line numbers? Say whatever you have to, just close the sale. Just get the credit card. It doesn't matter what you deliver. You will never build a successful business until you grow a pair and stop caring so much. Here, we respectfully disagree. We give you permission to embrace who you are, how much you care, and encourage you to design a business that works for you and your clients. Welcome to The Art of Giving a Damn, the podcast that proves with every single episode that you can create a profitable business doing what you're passionate about and making a positive difference in the world. Now, here's your host, Michelle Schaefer. Hey, welcome back to another episode of The Art of Giving a Damn. My guests today are Meredith and Jasper, who have been helping business owners market their businesses and grow their businesses online for more than 10 years. They are the founders of solobizhacker.com, a free tips and tricks site that was born out of a podcast they did together where they interviewed 100 successful entrepreneurs. They've got tons of things to share with you today. Uh, Their book, is the escape plan six steps to leaving the job you hate by creating a business you love and these two have more experience in business especially the technology side of marketing online than just about anybody i know welcome to the show hi hey michelle glad to be here (laughs) i am so excited to uh, get to pick your brains here for a minute because i know the marketing automation piece of things and, and how do you create that business you love is really a question that a lot of people struggle with. We know it's possible, but then when it comes to actually doing it, that's a lot easier said than done. Right. <laughs> so let's start with this. What got you guys started with the business that you have right now? Okay. So I'll tell my story and then he can tell his because they're different stories. So about, oh gosh, 12 years ago now, I was in Washington, D.C., and my daughter was three, and my whole family, like, lives out in this half of the country, but I was living in D.C., and so we decided to move, and my husband's an engineer, and so he looked for jobs out west in alphabetical order by city, and we ended up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Okay, which is awesome, except... Right? The economy in Washington, D.C. is really different than the economy in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And so I kind of half heartedly looked for a job here and really was offered 20% of what I was making in Washington, D.C. Because I was a public information officer for Fairfax County. I was doing really well, but the jobs that they were that were available here that was, were sort of kind of the same thing. We're paying 11, 12, $13 an hour. Right. And so by the time you put your three-year-old in daycare, right. It just doesn't make any sense. So I thought, you know, I saw an ad for assist you and I thought, you know, virtual assistant, I can totally do that. Right. So I did that. And so I've had clients ever since then it's been 12 years. And then what I discovered though, is that, I wouldn't say I was a horrible virtual assistant, but my value was really in the marketing and and all of my previous experience with that was much more valuable to my clients than the nitty gritty admin stuff. But the other thing that was valuable was that I am a bit of a techie, so I can figure out how to make it all work and what the right thing is. And then you marry that with marketing and it makes for a really 
fun job for me and, and really a good value for my clients. And so Jasper, I met him at a co-working space, and he started out as my intern. Um, but I will let him tell the rest of the story. Okay. Well, now I'm really curious. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I actually did my degree in archaeology, and when I um, came over to America in 2006, um, my uh, my sort of new wife, American-born wife who lived in Phoenix, um, I didn't realize that Phoenix was actually built over the oldest pre-Columbian civilization in America. And, oh, wow. Uh, so having discovered that, I walked into a field archaeology job, um, which is horribly paid, but it's, re- you know, it's, it's really fascinating work and really lovely people to work with um but but all that archaeology is funded by development and of course phoenix was expanding rapidly at the time until 2008 when the crash happened and basically all development stopped overnight i did the archaeology uh so i thought okay so what else can i do and i i I had some HTML web design experience. Blogging was just coming up. I, I was I read um, the uh, Shell Israel book, uh, Naked Conversations, about uh, mm-hmm. the, the power of blogging, and that really I could see the potential in that. So I got into that and social media just coming up. So I started doing that. I, I actually worked a, a biz op company in uh, Phoenix uh, based on my um, uh, HTML uh, chops. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't know for like six months that it was a biz op company. <laughs> wow. I discovered who it was, and um, but I, I learned a lot of stuff in terms of online marketing there, and really, so the in fact the graphic designer and I branched off on our own um, and started this uh, blogging company, and and then of course we moved from Phoenix to Albuquerque, and uh, so I had to sort of get new clientele, and that's where I ended up at the co-working space. So. Wow, all right. And what I did sort of dovetailed quite nicely with what Mary Yeah, we didn't really want to compete for people. Yeah. Right? We didn't really want to have to, because we overlapped enough that we'd be feeding off the same people. So we're like, why don't we just combine forces and do this together? And we've been Mm -hmm. together ever since. Wow. We got into podcasting, which we, we riff off each other uh really well <laughs> uh you know both, both in terms of uh you know just working but in terms of the podcast so it was very entertaining and great fun to do or i just like Remington steel <laughs> <laughs> well i can imagine i've definitely got some questions about the hundred interviews but yeah. you know one thing i love about what both of you shared was this idea of okay well what can i do next and when you hit that what do i do next moment you just jumped in and even though it's not quite what you're doing today you allowed that to evolve for yourself. So you went with, okay, this is what I can do right now. Let me just jump in. And I think a lot of times people hesitate to jump into an online business of their own because they're, they're trying to get it perfect or figure out exactly oh, what to do Because I was thinking about this, Michelle. Like, originally, when I was in Virginia working for Fairfax County, which is in a very stable kind of government job sort of thing, I thought, well, yeah, when I retire from that... I'll go start a PR company, you know, and then it was something just to think about when I retired, I'll start a business. 
And then just life kind of happened differently and I started it sooner. But I think a lot of people are waiting for the perfect time. Yeah, I, I think that's true. People do wait. They're waiting for the pieces to fall in place. And sometimes life just throws you a curveball. Yeah. And it's like, okay, now's a good time. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love what you said, too, about figuring out that not that you were a terrible VA, but that your your genius really was in this other area. And I think that's something that is is... I think a lot of us have that evolution in business where what we start doing, we realize, oh, this is the thing I'm really good at. This is my genius zone. And then you move into how do I make this piece of it work? I love that. Um, So tell me a little bit about the podcast and how you guys got inspired to start that and and do a hundred interviews. Yeah, well, we we started off, the first one we did um, was uh, using Blog Talk Radio. Uh, And we we basically... uh, Expounded. (laughs) We did one of those. We will teach you for an hour a week about infusion sauce. So I don't know if anyone ever listened to it, really. Well, (laughs) we we know some people listen to it because we we were at um, a... uh, a conference down in Houston and somebody came up to us and says, oh, well, we listened to your podcast, which was really nice. Like from across the room, That's pretty cool. Your voice. Yes. <laughs> That's um, awesome. So the first one was just kind of a marketing automation. Yeah, it was style. really teaching. It was really, you know, every week Talk we would bit, yeah. talk about some concept that had to do with, at that time, I was an Infusionsoft consultant. Right. And so that's that about when we met. With Infusionsoft yep. and, and how, you know, all of that worked together. And so we did that. But then we discovered that really we wanted to talk to other people mm. about their businesses. And at the time, we were um, running a, a labor exchange, kind of like a time bank. So basically different entrepreneurs would talk to each other and trade hours and it didn't really work um, because there was no way for us to extract money out of that transaction right. really well. And people were really hesitant. They were really willing to give their time. Like everybody would give their time. They were really hesitant to take the time back from other people. It was oh. really a fascinating experience, yeah. but this podcast went with it because it's talking about different people and mm. how they got their passion and how they needed a mentor to, you know, move forward and all of this stuff. And so that's what it was about. And then we did it the craziest way possible, right? So we did a hundred episodes and I think we recorded them like in two months or something insane like that. And yeah. so we just, <laughs> and we met a ton of people yeah. and we got yeah. a new and note- noteworthy for iTunes both our video and our audio podcast. So we, we, you know, were fairly successful with it. We just at the time didn't know how to go any further with it. Like we did it. And then time traders club, we decided that that wasn't really like we're not, we weren't getting enough out of it to make it worth it for us to continue doing it. So we put the podcast on hiatus. We're starting it back up again. So I'm excited about that. Oh, fun. Um, okay. What we did learn, though, uh, was to, I mean, we got a lot of really interesting stuff about the process of starting a business. And I mean, how long it takes. Yeah, especially how long it takes. But both, both from people, um, you know, who are leaving corporate jobs to start mm-hmm. up a, a sort of consultancy business, all, all sorts. So we learned, you started seeing themes 
develop in terms of all, all these people's stories. And that's really what led to us writing the book. We, uh, we, we sort of extracted those themes and then expanded on those in terms of our marketing knowledge and then used those bits of the stories from from the podcast to illustrate okay. each of the different themes. So, yeah, it, nobody was an overnight, overnight success. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, it, you know, the, the quickest one, I think, was like 18 months, yeah. mm-hmm. was like the fastest one of everyone we interviewed. And then also, like, a guide appeared to them. Like, they always found, like, not even necessarily like a paid coach, but they found somebody who was doing something similar Mm -hmm. to what they were doing. So a guy wanted to create a spice company. So he found somebody that could help him figure out how to bottle the spices hygienically, which was the big bottleneck of starting a spice company. Somebody else um, was doing um, hair shampoo for women, African-American women with Uh hair, you know, which I don't have that issue (laughs) But, you know, like if I had that issue, I would certainly want beauty products that tamed it down, right? (laughs) And so she made it for herself. And so she had to find somebody who could help her find the right places to market it. And that person appeared to her. So it's just like kind of being on your path and then your guides show up. And that one guide is kind of what made them be able to do their business a hundred times over. Yeah. You know, it it was fascinating to see. Yeah, that's such an important piece of, I think, success in anything because you can either make all the mistakes yourself (laughs) and take, you know, 10 years to figure it out, or you can go find the people who've already done it and Mm -hmm. figure out, okay, what did they do? How did they get it to work? And it makes such a huge difference. And people are so willing to help you, you know, it's just a matter of asking. Mm absolutely um so for anybody listening or watching the book is called the escape plan and i'll put a link near the video or audio to make sure people can find that it's available on amazon Uh, what would you say is the biggest thing that you learned overall from doing that many interviews and, and speaking with that many people who had decided to take that leap and start their own business i think it's don't give up i mean i think and we interviewed people like all, it was really a range. It sounds we, like it. Yeah. We, we had beginners and we <laughs> had people with million dollar businesses uh-huh. and everything in between. And the thing I noticed about the successful people is that they had issues and they had obstacles and they almost quit. Mm-hmm. All of them almost quit at some point because it's hard. Yeah. You know, or the money ran out or, but they didn't, they were committed enough to their idea to kind of keep following up and keep talking to people. And if one person isn't the right person, go to another person and just keep, and I think that's the mistake that a lot of entrepreneurs make, especially in the beginning, because there's this sort of idea that people have to, you know, condense their thing into for what, 10 minute videos. Right. <laughs> and so they're condensing their business journey into 40 minutes. Yeah. And so you don't see that. Oh yeah. And then I, I had a webinar service for a while and that just drove me crazy and it didn't work. So I tried something else. You would never know that because the guy yeah. just leaked in, you know, it, it, all of the false turns that everybody has. And it's just a matter of keep trying, keep trying, keep going. And then, you know, you, you do people do make it through 
or they're not interviewing with us, so that's the other thing. But right. <laughs> right. the one ones the, who hold on are the ones yeah. who make it. One of, the, one of the big motivations for us that, that really came out of this podcast, but, but even before, as, as we right from the start when we started working together, was the fact that, especially as this was born out of the crash, right, and everybody was really struggling to find jobs, there was no work around. One of the things we, and, and of course the internet was still, was pretty new. I mean, when I started, blogging was really taking off. I mean, things like YouTube and Twitter were just emerging. So please don't tell me you did your initial programming on a Commodore 64. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> But um, the point was that we, we, want, we could see that the, right. the possibilities in terms of people being able to create livings yeah. on their own terms by reaching an audience online. Most business up to that was just local. So you, you found right. you know, your local audience uh, by advertising the local newspaper, you know, all that this changed the whole ball game. Well, and, you know, it was a big factor for me and my business. Yeah. Because here I am in Albuquerque, New Mexico, right? I can't find a job in Albuquerque, New Mexico that pays yeah. anything. So all my initial VA clients like lived within four blocks of each other in Manhattan. Oh, because wow. they could pay me. Yeah. You know, I said, Oh yeah, my rate's forty dollars an hour, and they're like, Okay. Yeah. Like in Albuquerque, the head of you know, the department doesn't make $40 an hour. Like, they make 45000 yeah. a year. So it allows you to compete in a different economy than your own where you live. Well, and it allows, I mean, we worked, one of the fellow co-workers was a, she was a virtual assistant, college educated, young, young girl, two really small, like kindergarten age kids, mm-hmm. had absolutely no hope of getting a job where she could manage those two things. Right. What she could do was manage her VA business in her, you know, work those times around her life but earn like 40 bucks an hour doing it, not 10 bucks an hour in Walmart, you know, right. uh, and to be able to empower people to be able to do that mm-hmm. is, yeah, you know, that was our huge motivating, you know, um, yeah. it was the motivation behind everything we did really. We, Time traders yeah, all day, yeah. yeah. Well, that, that's one of the things that's fascinating. I think you probably found this when you interviewed people too, is even as people shift in and out of, okay, well, that didn't work. Let me try something else. Type things in business. There's that common thread. There's that, this is what motivates me. This is what I want to do. I'm going to figure out a way yeah. to, to build a business around that. So I, I love the idea of leaving the job you hate to create the business you love, because I think that is why a lot of us uh, end up going the direction we're going is it's just, a, it's a driving passion. This is what I want to do. This is who I want to be there for. Um, and, you know, it's, it's funny because one of the things you mentioned a minute ago, just to kind of totally do a 180 on topics here, you mentioned that the people who succeeded were the ones who kept going with follow-up, who kept going yes. and just pushing through. And it's funny because I know that's one of the things that in a totally different way you guys talk about now is that concept mm-hmm. of the biggest mistake a lot of entrepreneurs make is they're leaving so much money on the table. They're literally losing money yep. because they're not using automated follow-up and some of these strategies. So mm-hmm. let's talk about that for a minute. Okay. Um, what are the biggest mistakes that you guys see entrepreneurs well, making online? I mean, the biggest thing is that people don't think of their full growth machine. People concentrate on the beginning of it, right? And so that's all 
log in, you know, opt in to my opt in, get the name on the list. And then they think once the name is on the list, maybe they'll send them through a sales sequence, maybe, but it'll be really short. It'll be like two emails. And then they won't do anything with that person anymore. And they'll be like, oh, okay. Or they'll have a webinar. And this is like the classic thing the beginners do all the time. And I had this client who did this amazing launch and she got 40 new people in her first launch into mm-hmm. her membership thing that's 200 bucks a month. That's awesome. I mean, huge, right? But she's like, yeah. oh, no, I thought I'd get 80. I'm like, yeah. but you haven't sent any follow-up messages yet. <laughs> you know? Oh, I mean, she rocked it. I mean, she really rocked it. I'm like, you really rocked this. I've never seen anything as awesome as this before Mm -hmm. for a new person. Their first time at bat. Wow. Now send follow-up messages and you'll get 40 more. And she did. Right? And so, and I think that's the mistake is a lot of people buy on message 10. Yeah. Not, oh, you have the webinar. Here's the replay. Okay, we're done. Well, it's funny because we know that in real, in, in real life, right. In regular, like offline business, they say the fortune is in the follow-up. You got to stay in touch with people. And we know when we're networking in person, like that's required, Mm -hmm. you got to do the follow-up, but it's like, sometimes we forget those things also apply on the internet Mm -hmm. and virtually. Um, I remember when I first got started doing that, started doing webinars, kind of the same thing. I was doing a webinar and selling into a blogging workshop and I would get sales on the webinar. I'm like, awesome. And then I'd send out the replay and and that was it. And I did one with a partner. We got done with the webinar. We made, I think it was like 18 sales and, and he asked me, okay, what's your follow-up? And I was stumped. I'm like, um, well, I was going to send out the replay and I could just like over the, the, the phone conversation, I could hear him shaking his head, you know, it was like, okay, apparently there's more follow-up that's required here. And he helped me put together a follow-up sequence. I think I had seven or eight emails in it and I got like 23 or 24 more sales from it. It more than doubled the it's amount of people who chose to join the workshop. And I was shocked. I was like, how have I not been doing this sooner? I mean, well, because people are afraid of bothering people. Yeah. And you That's know, and true. so people, but, but you're actually doing a service because people are super distracted. And yes. if they're anything like me, they probably aren't really watching your webinar anyway. Like they might be watching your webinar, but like they're not. Right. Like, they're sort of like feeding out of your webinar. Yeah. And, then, and then their husband comes in and wants to go get coffee and they're off before it's even done, you know, so it's like that. And so by sending them more than one reminder, you give it a chance yeah. to actually show up in their email box because only 20% of emails ever get open on best case. Right. So 80% of emails don't. So it's not like anyone's noticing that you're sending them that many emails. They're just noticing it when it's a convenient time for them to notice it. And you have to send emails often enough for them to rise to the top of the email box so they can find you. They might really want and need your service, but you'll never know. It's the same thing with the people who write the stories in the emails that you have to read the email before to see. And I'm like, nobody reads all the emails. This like doesn't make any sense. It's not like anyone's going to be sitting there waiting for your next, oh, is Michelle's email coming? I've got to see. loves this week. It's Sunday. It's 3.45. I haven't seen it yet. It's soap opera style. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, and, and that's another mistake that people make is they think mm. that people are paying attention mm. yeah. and they're not. And that's a good thing and a bad thing. Right. 
So the good thing about it is that you can be super repetitive. You don't need to reinvent the wheel every single time because they didn't read it the first time. There's that um, sales pyramid diagram that um, shows that like only 3% of people are actually ready to buy now. 7%, 7 more percent are sort of like open to the possibility, but then 30% don't even, hadn't really thought about it. 30 more percent sort of are pretty sure they don't need it, you know, that kind of thing. So it, it takes time. You've got to, you've got to nurture people along until they until it ticks in their brain oh yeah actually yeah that that could be useful absolutely and that goes back to you know the idea that sometimes we're not aggressive enough with the follow-up with letting people know hey this is how i can help you because you mentioned a lot of people they're they think they, they might need help, but they're, they're not quite sure yet. And if we don't do the hard work of actually saying, here's how I can help you. then Over and over again and over time, too. Because it might be, like, you and I have been dancing around in circles for decades, right? <laughs> yeah. You, you can't tell she's that old, but really. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. There you go. But, but, but you know, and, and I wasn't ready to, to, you know, do anything with you until I was ready to do something with you. And then it was the right time. But I've been on your list for six years before I thought I raised my hand and said, you know, that sounds good. I need a little bit of an accountability. So I'm going to go in the mastermind group. So you don't ever know. And I've had people out of the blue on my list that I thought had died or moved away or closed their business or whatever, like I just hadn't heard from them. And then they send me an email saying, hey, how's it going? I've been following you. Like you haven't been opening my emails, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that just shows the importance of of consistency with all of it, of not just having a a basic follow-up sequence in place for your webinars or your videos, but also just consistently staying in touch with the people that are on your list and with your social media following and everybody and just giving them those invitations to, hey, if you're ready, I've got something that might be a good fit for well, you. And then the other thing, and this leads to the thing that people just don't do, mm-hmm. is consumption. Mm. So you buy somebody's product on blogging. And, yep. you know, everyone starts out with their little ebooks, right? So you yep. sell your little ebook on blogging, you send them the ebook, and maybe if you, you have your act together, you send them one more email. Like a week later, hey, have you checked out the thing on page 78? Mm. It's like my fave. Mm. You yeah. want to coach with me? Awesome. And that's the last email you sent, right, <laughs> ever to this person. But really, you know, you sort of have to figure out in your head, okay, so if they read this book and they're actually doing it, mm-hmm. when are they going to really need to talk to me again? Right. It's really like in about three months because I help them through a content calendar for 90 days in my ebook. So I really ought to be talking to them on day 75 saying, how's the content calendar going? What results are you getting? And so it's getting that follow-up over the long term. If you're selling soap, right? I had a client who sold soap that had magical powers. It was amazing. Um, Yeah, it's a magic soap. Interesting. (laughs) I said, so how long does it take someone to use your magic, magic soap up? She's like three months. I'm like, okay, so we need to two and a half months in be sending them emails with specials and sales mm-hmm. on more soap because yeah. you know that they're running out. Right. So you're helping them. And she got a ton of sales because people were running out of soap, 
right at that minute. And she'd send him the email and they'd be like, how do you know? I just ran out of soap. I'm like, well, you sell soap. So, you know, like, that's fantastic. And, and I think a lot of people don't sit down and think those things through when they're building out those campaigns of, okay, based on what somebody's got right now, when's a good touch point for me to reach back out? And I think the cool thing about the way you guys approach it is, because I know if I were sitting here listening to this podcast right now, I'd be like, I have to track that for everybody. Yeah, exactly. How do I, where do I even well, you start? Don't, right? no. But you don't because you can automate it all. Yeah, exactly. And you guys have the systems and the things that you put in place for people that actually automates all of that. So really it's just the initial, okay, what's the plan? And then you put it in motion and it continues working for you. Basically, you know, we had some clients who were big store owners and what we did is we helped them create sequences based on the different kinds of websites that people, the pages, people were visiting on their website. So if people were really interested in flavored um, vape juice, then they would send them emails about flavored vape juice because that's what people were into. And there are so many um, multi-talented, I guess, would, yeah. I would say people in this industry that have businesses that are really like, two or three faced mm-hmm. and the different faces kind of go together and kind of don't, you know, the people who sell gemstones and write things for people, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, okay. stuff like that. And so this is really handy to have the side events. Active campaign does this really well. And I, and I think, and Infusionsoft doesn't do it as well, but different, you know, email services have different right abilities but you know you can send you can track people so that they you're talking to them about what they're interested in instead of if if i'm having someone write something for me i'm not as interested in the stones i don't want to hear about the stones i want to hear about the writing and so you can manage that a little bit nowadays much better than you could ever before yeah, absolutely. And that's something that kind of goes to Jasper, what you were sharing about being able to track people as they go through your website and the different pieces of it. And I know if I weren't familiar with a lot of the technology, I'd be going, okay, but only big companies can do that. No, you know, you, you land on a site and you may be shopping for shoes and then everywhere you are, the shoe yes. is following you around yes. and you're getting emails about them. And it's like, yes, who's watching me? Um, But the cool thing is there are actually affordable options for smaller businesses and entrepreneurs to be able to have that same kind of technology work for them. So let's talk about that for a minute. You guys are big fans of active campaigns. So tell me about that. Well, active campaign, I think, is the best value. Like if you combine it with Thrivecart, Mm -hmm. which is a shopping cart, I think those two together do what a lot of much more expensive services do for a lot less money. And it does allow you to compete. It it spooked me at first because I literally could watch, like Jasper was on the website going around and I was in active campaign in his contact record and I could see Jasper visited this page on the site. Jasper visited that page on the site in real time. Mm -hmm. Like I knew exactly where he was and think about it as a coach. You have, you know, a clarity session with somebody and you can look on their contact record in active campaign and know exactly what pages on the website that they visited. And it gets even better because you can run Facebook ads Mm -hmm. that parallel your email campaign. So somebody goes to the webinar. So then you start sending them Facebook ads about come to the webinar. It's at this time. It's at this time, which is a lot less expensive. Yeah. 
Because you're targeting them directly. Exactly. You know, so many people who I hear say, my Facebook ads aren't working. Nobody's clicking. I'm not getting any response. The first question I ask them is, well, how's your targeting set up? And yeah. if they're doing things like that, retargeting people who are already interested, mm-hmm. they're going to be so much more effective. Right. Then trying to, and, and that's how you compete as a small business right. in the land of the big business. In order to target everybody in the world, you know, like some of my MLM friends, anyone who has a face is my yeah. target. <laughs> you have to have an ad budget. Like you have to compete with Coca-Cola because every one of those sets of eyes costs you money, right? So if you're a small business and you're niched in and Facebook allows you to really target people, an active campaign allows you to really target people, you can get your little world of a thousand people, right? And you can have, make a very good living off of that small community that needs exactly what you personally offer. And that's the only way to compete. In this big world with a small budget, you can get in front of them just as many times. You're just not getting in front of as many people. Well, and that's the thing is most of us, we don't actually need 10 million customers to have what we see as a successful business. (laughs) For a lot of people, 10 clients is I'm booked full. Yeah. And so when you're smart with these different strategies, the, the awesome thing about the internet is it really is an equalizer with the technology and automation that we can set up. We can actually compete in the market. But people resist it. Like people really resist that. I'm like, find your little tribe. And they're like, Oh no, I don't want to like t- turn away the opportunities yeah. of all these people in Thailand. You know And I'm like? No, like really find your people. Well, and that goes back to what you said about the difference in the New York people that could afford you in in Manhattan versus people in Albuquerque. When you're targeting countries, you've got to think about that as well as which countries that speak English actually have the per capita income to afford your services. And some of those questions are are sometimes hard for us if we don't have a business background to make those like hardline distinctions of, okay, this is a business decision based on my goals. These are the things that, you know, I've got to say yes and no to. Well, that's the one thing I, I just written a blog post about this. But but you know, all business is sales, uh, and with sales, it's like you know if you have a goal um, of making so much a month, it's like uh, and my uh, sales closing, you know, I can close say forty percent of the people I speak to. Because he's that good. <laughs> then how many people do I need to speak to right. make those sales to reach that goal? And right. most of the time you want to talk to the the best, the very best prospects. Right. And that's what a lot of this automated features can do because what they can do is they can take all those actions that people do, give it a score. So maybe an email is, you know, you open an email, that's a score of one, but you visit a particular website, that's five. Right. You sign up for a freebie, that's 50. And then, then, you know, as soon as they hit a threshold, which basically tells you this person this is really person's, interested. Yeah, you call them. It will, <laughs> yeah. the right. will notify you and say, hey, you need yeah. to call this person. And that's sort of like gold, because otherwise you don't want to have to be going through all those contact records going, well, yeah, okay, yeah. Who, who's, you know, yeah. who's been looking at my website, you know? Right. So many of the things that, that we know would work, they're not really scalable if we're trying to do them, just, you know, one person yeah, exactly. looking through all of that. But with technology, suddenly all of it's possible and it saves us time 
and it helps us get, like you said, the best prospects. And it helps your customers get the best out of you too, because you're providing really good customer service through that three month out consumption message. It's not all about selling them something. It's really about helping them to really absorb and integrate the material that you're offering and reminding them about it and saying, Hey, you know, you, three months ago, you wanted to blog. Are you still doing that? And that's helpful. Actually, it is. It's helpful. Forget, you know, well, it's helpful because it both, if somebody is consistently doing it, then they're probably at the step where they're ready to have a conversation. And if they're not, it's that little reminder of, Hey, do you still want what you said you wanted so that they can stop and look at their decisions and go, Oh, yeah, I, I did sign up for that planner. No, I didn't do anything with it. Maybe I need some support. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I do still want to make this happen. Um, so it is it provide, yeah, better service for the people that are on your list. So speaking of, you know, putting some of those things in place, I know you guys have a gift to share, which is uh, if somebody's listening to this and you're going, okay, I, I want to start putting these follow-up systems together. I, I'm not a copywriter. I'm not a tech genius. Where do I even start? Right. I have a set of emails that are designed. We do. They're, they're, they're templates. And then we did that on purpose. So they're sort of bullet point templates so that when you write it, it sounds like you. Because I don't want you cutting and pasting my email message and sending it to your people who are going to be like, that doesn't sound like, (laughs) I mean, I only had one client ever. I had this client from Louisiana that I could write her, Uh but that's only happened once (laughs) that I could write in someone's voice like that. But generally, you know, I want it to sound like you, but these are like five emails that you can put in a sequence after your webinar and you will probably double the sales. I've seen it happen. Absolutely clients before because you're just giving them more of a chance to see you and you're putting yourself out there in front of them more often right so for everybody listening watching we'll put a link somewhere near the audio or video where you can go to get those but the link is solobizhacker.com forward slash double hyphen your hyphen webinar hyphen profits double your webinar profits and again there's going to be a link you can click somewhere near this video uh, or audio go grab those it'll help you put that follow-up in place so that you can get more sales coming in and you're not leaving money on the table for people who actually really want to work with you (laughs) a few reminders because we're all busy right we've all got a million things going on so where can people go to find out more about maybe having a conversation with you meredith or jasper about getting some of these automated pieces in place so they can really leverage technology to scale the best place to start is our website and that's solobizhacker.com and also, I am always available via email, so just send me an email, okay. Meredith at solobizhacker.com. I'm really friendly. I don't bite. Um, <laughs> I'm happy to answer questions, you know, and so that's another way to get in contact with me and, and just sort of ask some questions and run some things by me and see. But it helps a lot. Yes. Like, like you said about the hundred interviews, one of the things that successful people have in common is they do find those people who can help and support them along the way, mentor them, guide them through some of these processes. So uh, if you're listening or watching and this is something that's grabbed your attention, you know, this is an area that you can step things up in your business, reach out, get in touch with Meredith and Jasper and find out what might be possible. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. I appreciate well, thank you, Michelle. time and, and uh, interesting conversation. 
All right. For everybody listening, be sure to subscribe, rate, review, hit like, and uh, tune in for the next episode. Thanks for listening.